Hello and welcome to Coin of the Ball in the Post Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben and I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. And Claire. Hey. Today we're going to talk about inbreeding and incest in all its grim, shitty, horrible in some cases perversion. Bit of a taboo subject. Yes. Unless you're an Egyptian, an uh, ancient Egyptian, or a member of one of Europe's royal families. Then then in all cases. I've at it. I've at it. <laughs> In other cases, no. You see, what got me when I was doing the research of this is like, well, you know, the pharaohs, the royal families, they've married to keep the bloodline pure. There's, but there's no, like, there's no just, like, raping your kids. It's all marriage. You know, you get the feeling there's a bit more consensual going on. They all know what's expected of them. It's a bit of a shitter, but okay. Whereas, like, in the cases in, the, like, some of the towns, it's just, like, horrible rape. So, yeah, the, the royals, they didn't know any better or... They don't know any better because they think they're keeping the... Yeah, it's a different time, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is you know this is a time when they thought the body was split into four different humours. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't know about this. You know, they didn't, I mean, all right, it was always taboo, like, don't bang your sister if you're not one of the royals. But then again, is there anything in the Bible about it? Well, I doubt it. it isn't Adam and Eve brother and sister? Well, strictly speaking, I guess so. If they're children of God. She was made from his rib, so she's uh. technically he's technically fucking himself. <laughs> I was wondering who, That's a whole rabbit hole, that. <laughs> I was wondering who their children were, were going to be fucking. Mm. They would have to be incest at some mm-hmm. point. Somewhere along the line. That story. Somewhere <laughs> along the line, we're all we're all a product of, of incest. Somewhere, not like necessarily brother sister, but certainly like cousins. We've all got the demon seed inside of us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, because mainly for us, before Telford happened, which is like an amalgamation of several smaller towns, they'd have all been a lot more isolated than they were. And someone from from Dorley marrying someone from Wellington probably would have been virtually fucking unheard of. Well, you'd like a nice Dorley girl, wouldn't you? I don't think it was that bad. I mean, they still got about. They had horses and shit, didn't they? Some people don't leave, Mike. Some people don't know, but... Yeah, but if you got to be a bit more well off to get a to get a boat. If you're a miner down pit in an 18th century Dorley, chances are you haven't got the free time or the means to bugger off to Wellington for a day. Mm. You're just going to spend your time in the pubs, aren't you? In Dorley when you're off, Mm. or knocking yet another child out your wife. Yeah, never forget. Probably had a week's holiday. Went to Blackpool every year. (laughs) No, not in the 1800s. It wasn't there, wasn't it? Oh, not to the Victorian times. Yeah. I'm thinking if you go way back, if you're medieval uh, times. Well, in them days, maybe not. You know, people would have married their cousins and everything because there wouldn't have been that many. You people know? still marry their cousins now. It's not illegal. It's not, I don't know, not, unless it's first cousin. Is that illegal? You can't marry your first cousin in this country, right. you can marry your second cousin. Oh. But my sure second cousin's that? already married, so I can't marry if I wanted to. They could get divorced. I doubt it, she's married into the Horlicks family. She's she's one of the married one of the Horlicks magnates now. Yeah, going up in the world from cotton shit to uh... chocolate, <laughs> to powdered chocolate drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she wasn't a Carter actually, so it's the other side of the family. Ah. Anyway, um, let's start with ancient Egypt because it's chronological. The ancient Egyptian royal families are almost expected to marry within the family. Hold on, we've forgotten something. New and oh, returning listeners. New and returning listeners. I got carried away. Yeah. Let's uh, thank some new and returning listeners. 
Uh, where should we go? Detroit, Michigan, Bengaluru in India, Cambridge in the United Kingdom, Miami, Florida, Lancaster in the UK, Cape Town, South Africa, Chennai in India, Tel Aviv in Israel, Dis in the United Kingdom, oh. <laughs> never even heard of that, Cricklewood, that's a nice name, Angeles City in the Philippines, Warsaw, Poland, Troy, Minnesota in the US, Istanbul, Michigan. Turkey, Mis- sorry, Michigan, Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's one above it. Yeah. Istanbul in Turkey, Nottingham, the United Kingdom, Cape Corral, Florida, Wirral, United Kingdom, Isoto, France, that's a new one, Poliquain in South Africa, Port of Spain, Trinidad and Tobago, Sheffield, United Kingdom, Mansoura, Egypt, Changuanas in uh, Trinidad and Tobago, somewhere in California, Winnetka, Efriticon in Switzerland, Ashburn, Virginia, Telford in the United Kingdom, Guadalajara in Spain and Madrid, Spain top. I think we get a lot of people listen to us on their holidays now. Because people, people can go on holiday. We start get Trinidad and Tobago listeners. It's like, yeah, someone's on holiday by the pool, aren't they? Can't see some... Listening to us whilst like, sunning themselves. Hey, maybe. Drinking cocktails. Maybe. So, all right. The ancient Egyptian royal families, this is where that Egyptian listeners put it likes too much, um, were almost expected to marry within the family as inbreeding was present in virtually every dynasty. Pharaohs are not only wed to their brothers and sisters, but there were also double-niece marriages where a man married a girl whose parents were his own brother and sister. So you'd marry the brother and sister, so let's say that... Alright, let's say we're siblings. Yeah. So Mike marries you. Yeah. You have a kid. I'm the Pharaoh. I marry your daughter when she's old enough. (laughs) <laughs> that's fucked up in it yeah and they did this for millennia couple of thousand years yeah yeah they did this though because of the ancient belief that the god Osiris married his sister Isis to keep the bloodline pure that was the whole reasoning for it because the Egyptian pharaohs were not only heads of state they were heads of religion they too they were gods they were yeah. virtual gods or certainly the next thing down from one yeah and, you know, they all had them pointy heads. All right, let's focus on King Tut, because he's the most famous. Yeah. We know most about him, because we've got his body and everything. We found him one of the great archaeological surprises of the 20th yeah. century. Because yeah. everyone else's tomb had been ransacked previously. Long ago. Long yeah. ago. Now, he was the pharaoh 3,300 years ago in the New Kingdom era. He came into power at the age of nine, only ruled for ten years before dying at 19 around 1,324 BC. Wow. So, 1,324 years before Christ, you've got these advanced civilizations knocking around. It's incredible, really. Yeah. So, yeah, the billionaires now are richer than the pharaohs were back then. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. Does that mean that Jeff Bezos is going to have some kind of solid gold sarcophagus? Well... Because I would. Look at Jeffrey Epstein's island. Yeah. He had his own temple, didn't he? Temple slash fuck room. Whatever it was. I want my Jeff Bezos to get buried in a real... Or any billionaire, really. To get buried in a really elaborate tomb with, like, gold death masks. And then we can all go and loot it in ten years. They would let you loot it. Well, they just do what the ancient Egyptians do. Just break in at night. Start stealing stuff. Yeah, but it ain't, like, in the middle of a desert, is it? Maybe some, maybe in the California desert if it's Bill Gates or someone. 
Billionaires aren't that extravagant these days. They should be. They're lazy is what they are. Yeah. I mean... They could all be Batman. Exactly. That's my point. Batman was a billionaire. Why, why haven't we got a Batman out there? Because they're the, they're the real psychos. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the real crooks. They're, they're the baddies. I mean, actually, if you, you can look at Batman and make a case that Batman just enjoys beating up poor people. Yeah. Because you're like, well, you've got, you're got a billionaire, Bruce. You could give your money to, to the citizens of Gotham and they'd lead better. For, they wouldn't need to turn to crime yeah. because life wouldn't be so shit. No, 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 I'm going to dress as a bat and beat the shit out of them at night. Well, okay. If you look at Batman and Robin, the movie... Mr. Freeze wanted to reverse global climate change. Yeah. Poison Ivy wanted to save the forests. Yeah. <laughs> Batman just beat them both up and stopped them. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I thought about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, King Tut's tomb, found in 1922, was filled with a wealth of treasures, including a solid gold death mask found by my ancestor Howard Carter. Probably. I don't know, it's got the same last name, it's good enough for me. <laughs> Biggest treasure was actually the DNA analysis they could, you know, examine from his body, get, yeah. get from his body. You know, this is... One, mummification's the whole point of it. That's it. Preserves the body. I mean, for fuck's sake, he, he died 3,300 years ago. His body's pretty well preserved. Until a, D, a DNA analysis was conducted in 2010, until then, not much was known about his ancestral origins. And that's the thing, you, you can only, you've only got what records have survived. Did they proper pick it apart down to the that they had to, didn't they? Just to get to the bone and that, like, but you know, you know, it's all. Well, take samples, aren't they? It'd be like very. They unraveled it all. They'd have to unravel him, yeah. yeah. Unless the bandages at that point have rotted away. Mm. So you can only speculate on the bones until you you know about the insides of them and the actual. Yeah, they'll rip the bandages off. I imagine, yeah. It's probably like a tiny little drill that just goes down through the skin into the bone. and then... an X-ray when they put it in a CT scan and things. Well, yeah, that's true. And the landmark study was the first time the Egyptian government allowed genetic studies to be performed on royal mummies. King Tut and ten other royal mummies who were suspected of being his close relatives were examined. DNA samples taken from the mummy's bones revealed the answers to many mysteries that had long surrounded the boy king and a five-generation family tree was able to be created. So it's quite a big deal, really. Yeah, yeah. The test determined that King Tut's grandfather was Pharaoh Imhotep III, <laughs> whose reign was a period of unprecedented prosperity. His grandmother was Thai. Imhotep III and Tai had two sons, one of whom became Imhotep III's successor to the throne. Archimaton, King Tut's father, was, so yeah, was Archimaton. He was best known for abolishing ancient Egypt's Parthenon in favour of worshipping only one god, presumably himself. The body of his mother has, has been located, but her identity remains a mystery. All they know is that she was one of Imhotep III and Tai's five daughters. Huh. Right, so this is, she's one of... She's basically King Tutankhamun's great aunt. Yeah. Is his mom. <laughs> making her the full sister. Yeah, yeah, it's his aunt, basically. The incestuous trend continued into King Tut's reign as his own wife, Anka Hesetan Parton, was his own half sister huh. with whom he shared the same fathers. They had two daughters, but they were both stillborn births, which is a common trend with inbreeding, as it leads you not to be able to concede properly. Conceive yeah, properly. Conceive, yeah. you've got football on the brain. Yeah. Inbreeding within the royal families of ancient Egypt often led to stillbirths, along with defects and genetic disorders. 
Uh, obviously, King Tut, he had a number of illnesses and disorders, including a deformed foot caused by a degenerative bone disease that forced him to walk with a cane. He also had a cleft palate and a curved spine and was probably weakened by inflammation and problems with his immune systems. King Tut's problems were related to inbreeding most likely caused the boy king's death. Yeah, I think so. Although he did also did have a badly broken right leg and a bad case of malaria, but that didn't help with the other uh, <laughs> genetic deformities. Now, Cleopatra yeah. was the last pharaoh of Egypt because they got taken over by the Romans yeah. after that, and Caesar obviously knocked a kid out with her. Don't know what happened to that kid, actually. Caesarian, it was called. He was called. I watched a documentary on the History Channel about it. I'm sure he was killed. Probably. I'd imagine so. Being Caesar's son would have been quite dangerous. Because um, you had Marcus Aurelius, who was Caesar's adopted son, who took the throne after Caesar, so he wouldn't have wanted Caesar's real son growing up on, and challenging his claim. They knew how to party, they did. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see the series Rome? It was a HBO series no, done for the BBC. Fucking awesome. So much fucking in it. It was ace. Yeah, it loads, was... Of, loads of wine. I watched that Blood and Sand. Spartacus. Yeah. yeah, that was all right. First season was good. It got a bit naff after that. But it was all right. Yeah, it wasn't bad. But Rome was great. You think of Rome <laughs> as the test run for Game of Thrones. They were pushing it a little bit. There was a lot of titties, a lot of fucking. Yeah. Think she married her brother. <laughs> yeah, did it for millennia, didn't they? They did. It's incredible, really. Yeah. It's amazing that these people that were you know, put on such pedestals as demigods were probably the most genetically inferior of all of us. Yeah, and they had them coneheads as well, didn't they? They, yeah. they did the skull stretching to them to make them look more divine, or unless that was just the art. Copying the aliens. I think it, I think it looks alien-like. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, How do they stretch them? Oh, well... You basically, you can, you, can, you yeah, you've got to do it when, they, when it's the baby because their skull's yeah, soft. Yeah. Yeah. So they they'll wrap it in bandages. They'll bind it, like yeah. bind it really tight so the skull will grow up. Yeah. But you can do it with two bits of wood as well. Oh. We did an episode on cone heads. Didn't we, we did. Elongated skulls. You like to elongated skulls, cone heads, elongated skulls. What's the difference? It's all a bit coney. All right, so from the Egyptian royal family to the Europeans. Yay, back to Europe. And the Spanish Habsburgs. And Queen Victoria's grandchildren, which we'll touch on a little bit, because this problem had a kind of indirectly caused the, the last czars to go. Obviously, there was a multitude of factors, yeah. but this was a big thing amongst the family. So if you if you get the feeling if they didn't have one eye on that they might have been a bit more aware to what was going on in the in the country, yeah. and not surround themselves with Russia's great sex machine. So from the Spanish Habsburgs to Queen Victoria's grandchildren, the European uh, royal families has had centuries of inbreeding and genetic mutation. Now King Charles II of Spain mm -hmm. was the last king of Spain of that family. It was rumored that he was bewitched. His painful and disfigured body, the result of a witchcraft, a curse, or the ritual consummation of the brains of criminals that he had devoured in hot chocolate drinks. <laughs> what? We have to repeat that. What the fuck? It was rumoured that Charles II was bewitched. His painful and disfigured body, the result of a witchcraft, a curse, 
all the ritual consummation of the brains of criminals that he had devoured in hot chocolate that drinks. Thing? No, they're just, it's like, he's doing, it's some kind of witchcraft. They're saying this guy's so fucked up. Yeah. It's a, he's obviously been cursed, and he's doing that because he's been cursed. It's fucking you up even more. Well, stop doing that. Don't stop drinking the brains of criminals. He can't, he's been cursed, he's under a spell. Uh, well, it I makes him do that. hot chocolate. <laughs> he's a king, he gets hot chocolate all the time. <laughs> Did they have chocolate back then? Yeah, they never had chocolate back then. The truth was actually just as unsavoury and much closer to home. Charles II of Spain's birth defects were the result of the accumulation of over two centuries of inbreeding. Charles was unable to speak at all until he was four. It wouldn't be till the age of eight he took his first steps. Wow, eight? Yeah, terrible. He was born to Philip IV of Spain and Mariana of Austria, a matrimony of uncle and niece which made young Charles not only their son, but also their great-nephew and first cousin, respectively. (laughs) Unfortunately, this marriage was not a solitary, ill-fated pairing. Instead, it had become a habit in the Habsburg family, especially the Spanish line. Incestuous relationships had been so common in his dynasty and for so long that by the time Charles II was born, he was more inbred than a child whose parents were brother and sister. So it's taken him two centuries to make him just completely fucked up. Mm. Uh, In Europe, royal inbreeding, to one degree or another, was most prevalent from the medieval era until the outbreak of the First World War. Unable to marry commoners and faced with a dwindling dating pool of royals of equivalent social status, especially as reformation and revolution diminished the available stock, increasing rapidly from the 16th century onwards, the only viable option was to marry a relative. No, no, they're so fucked in the head. Yeah, just let's just touch on um, Albert and, and Victoria for a moment. Okay. Because this is actually quite a big one. So unions between royals and those of a lesser rank were still kind of thrown. They couldn't do it if you succeeded the throne. If you had the throne, you couldn't marry someone of lesser rank. Even when the bride or groom-to-be held the title of prince or princess, unequal unions were discouraged. A Queen Victoria... Mm-hmm. married Prince Albert. She was his first cousin. And that was kind of frowned upon because although she was a descendant of a king, she was the descendant yeah. of George III, he was only the son of a Duke of Saxe-Coburg-Sarfield. This is where you get the Saxe-Coburg coming into the royal family Saxe-Coburg name. Saxe-Coburg-Goethe's. Yes. And it was just like a, a myriad of minuscule German principalities. Back in the day, at this oh. point, Germany wasn't one country. It wasn't until about 1870. Was it Prussia? There was Prussia was the biggest German kingdom, mm. but then so that was towards the east. The, all the west and, and central German states were these little individual mm. princedoms. So George III was from Hanover, which was another little principality of Germany, but it wasn't a major... George I, sorry. Was, I mean, he couldn't even speak English when he rocked up. Huh. All it was is like, oh, Queen Anne had no kids. Well, that, who's the next successor? We don't want James I because he's a Catholic. Or James II, even we can't have him, even mm. though he's blood related. He's Catholic, we can't have him. Yeah. Well, who's the next Protestant one? Oh, it's that fat German bloke over there. <laughs> get him in! <laughs> get him in! Get him off the bench and get him on the throne! Uh-huh. The worst this union obviously caused was just a little bit of social, uh, social awkwardness. And the other problem was uh, they were first cousins. They. Yeah. She, he, he, although he wasn't a haemophiliac, it's carried along the male line. Wow. 
Right. He gave it to the kids, who then went, and if you're a woman, you can still get it, but it's carried along the men. So her children carried the gene. Right. Now, the Russian royal family we'll get to were both related to Queen Victoria. She was German. She'd married into the Habsburgs, which had spawned Wilhelm, <laughs> Kaiser Wilhelm. And he, and obviously the Tsar of Russia in, in the 19th, the Tsar Nicholas, was a cousin of King George V in Britain. And they looked like fucking brothers. They do, yeah. But the problem was they gave that haemophilia curse into the royal family. So touch on the Russian royal family a little bit. Obviously, things were going downhill in Russia. The First World War was not going well, but the Tsar has got all his attention on keeping his own... He's got four daughters and one son, and the son's a haemophiliac. Yeah. The daughters can't inherit the throne. He needs his son to live, but all haemophiliacs die young. Yeah. The Tsarina knew that herself. Two of her brothers had died in their teens from haemophilia. Yeah. Well, Alexei, the little lad, he had a sailor carrying him round all the time. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. He wasn't allowed to do anything. It's like, no, 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 no. Any bump, any bruise. You bleed internally. You bleed, yeah, you can die. Which is, of course, why they kept Rasputin around, because he seemed to be able to have this sort of charm to heal the boy, even once just writing a letter. Huh. Tell the doctors to leave the boy alone. Don't bother him too much. He'll be fine. And he healed. He stopped bleeding. Uh-huh. That can be attributed to doctors giving penicillin just been, just been invented, never giving penicillin for everything. Uh-huh. What's that do? Thin the blood. So the doctors didn't see him. His blood wasn't getting thinned. Had a little bit more chance of stopping. Uh, I see. Mm. All right, there's a little detour. We'll go back to Spain. Yeah. The Spanish Habsburg dynasty was founded in uh, 1500 through many various canny marital hookups. The Emperor Charles V found himself heir to three families. So he's really doing it in. Oh. He's married a few of his relatives off. He's put himself in the right position, hasn't he? gets his own, which dominates Central Europe. He gets the House of Valois Burgundy, which dominated the Low Countries, and the House of Tastamara, which ruled Spain and its overseas empire in America and Asia. It is a bit like Game of Thrones, this, isn't it? Yeah. The right marriage puts you on the throne of somewhere yeah. else. The different houses, the different families, all vying for power. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. This concentration of power, however, proved too much for one man. He's literally ruling most of Europe. And he was succeeded by his younger brother, Ferdinand I. On his older brother's death of Holy Roman Emperor, the tie to the King of Spain's, King of Spain and lands associated with the in the Netherlands, South America or Sicily continued down Charles's line. So he's like, all right, my brother's kids get Spain. I'll have Central Europe and, and Holland. Oof. No, actually, sorry, he gets fucking the Netherlands and South America. Oh. And so I, I'll just have Middle Europe. Each branch ran in parallel, and there was always someone to marry from the other side of the family. Over the next 200 years, a total of 11 marriages were contacted by the Spanish Habsburg kings. Most of these marriages were of consanguineous unions, i.e. they were quite closely related. Uh-huh. First cousins with nine occurring in a degree of third cousins or closer. Hmm. Their territorial acquisition via marriage became so established that the dynasty gained a motto attributed to their taxes, tactics, which is in Latin, Bera Garant Ali tu Felix Austria Nube. Let others wage war, you happy Austria, marry. <laughs> yeah. 
So a typical story of what became a very tangled family tree, and I think calling it a tree is actually doing them a favour, I think it's more of a family circle, <laughs> can be seen with Charles V and his wife Isabella of Portugal. They had two children, Philip II of Spain, and a daughter, Maria of Austria. The dynasty feared that if Philip died before he had a male heir, Spain would be lost to the family. So the decision was made to marry Maria to her first cousin, called Maximilian, as the eldest son to Ferdinand I, Maximilian had inherited their Central European titles and lands after his father's death. So he then married his eldest daughter, Anna of Austria, back to the other side of the family, oh, to her uncle, Philip II of Spain. So he's married his daughter to his brother. How'd you bring that up over dinner? <laughs> you really need to have some kids, mate. You've got to carry on the family line in Spain. You're the last one. You've got no heir. I can't do everything, you know. Tell you what, my daughter, Anna, right, she's unmarried. She's just come of age. She's just had her first bleeding. Oof. That's how they used to judge it. Has she bled yet? Yeah, she's a woman, married. Boom. That's what it was. Yeah. I'd be like 10, 11, wouldn't it? Could be, in some circumstances. Could be in some... I think they'd, that might have seen as being a little bit too young, but then again, child brides weren't uncommon. Oof. Obviously, in the case of child brides, they would usually be kept sort of, um, let's say, away from the husband. So that they'd be educated as late by the ladies of the court and all that, and until they're because there's no point fucking them if you're not going to create an heir. Remember that you can have a mistress to fuck, mm. yeah. or a paramour or whatever you want, but your job is to knock out a kid of someone with someone with royal blood. Why didn't they just marry his sister or whatever niece, and then fuck somebody else? Have a kid with good genes and pretend it's theirs. That would have made more sense, wouldn't it? I suppose what you got to look at is they don't know about this, though, do they? They don't know about inbreeding. No, they think it's... They just think, oh, it's the family trait. Yeah, and they think... Or oh, we've been cursed. The bloodline's pure, isn't it? We're more pure than the common... Can't marry into common stock. And in That's what they were king... thinking. They weren't allowed to. Huh? If you're king, you can't marry a commoner. Hasn't the, uh, like, you know, a priest or something got to check out the baby straight after it's born from somebody royal? back then. I know, in, you know, in Victoria times, you know, they were outside the door. They were one of the first sort of people that were into, you know, check that she'd just, almost check that she'd give birth, that it is, that they were that sort of... I suppose it's a royal birth, isn't it? You can't exactly do it in secret, secret can you? Secret, no. No. Well, you could just swap the babies. Yeah, but then it's not the line, yeah, is it? It's the bloodline that but, matters. Yeah. yeah, they didn't know about genes and genetics anyway, did they? So. No. They wouldn't have even thought about it. No. So these intermarriages, crossing over from one side of the family to the other, repeat over the generations, either between uncles and aunts, nephews and nieces, or between cousins. But unbeknownst to the royal family, they started to pass down more than crowns and crests. Their genetic line had deteriorated so severely, the final male heir was physically incapable of producing children. Sterile. Sterile, yeah. Subsequently bringing... An end to Spanish Habsburg rule and the family branch became extinct. Good riddance to them. Sick. Sickos, isn't they? Now, the Habsburgs not only had the haemophilia thing, they also had the distinctive Habsburg jaw. You seen the pictures of that? Yeah. Big, long, elongated jaw. Now, that's it there. Now, Charles was so inbred, his mouth, he couldn't close his mouth. His tongue used to lie flop out of his mouth and he had a very large tongue. Do you watch Family Guy? Yeah. 
when they take the piss out of the rich people that they all got these big long chins yeah <laughs> yep 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 now Charles II of Spain he had two big genetic diseases combined pituitary hormone deficiency which causes infertility impotence weak muscles and digestive problems and distal renal tubular acidosis, which causes bloody urine, rickets, and a large head relative to one side. Uh. Oh, man. So Sorry, gonna... relative to one side. Oh, so he's going to be, walk like he looks like he's like, been riding a horse. <laughs> yeah. With his head to one side. Can't get it up. Yeah, so he couldn't even inbreed if he wanted to. Yeah, got irritable bowel syndrome. Constantly. And whatever distal renal tubular acidosis is. That's the um, one that gives you bloody oh, urine yeah. rickets and a large head. That fucking <laughs> hell. And these are meant to be our betters are meant to look up to these people. Yeah. Can you believe it? George III, let's come back to Britain. Then they're all related anyway. He has thought to have been affected by another recessive disease, porphyria, which is caused by the inheritance of two recessive genes and characterised by blue urine and uh, insanity. Hey, mate, your piss is blue. Yeah, your piss should only be blue if you missed a spark. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've just eaten Mr Spark. <laughs> well, whatever. Yeah, commonly uh, in the highly inbred house of Hanover, which is where our royal family comes from. Yeah. Now, Queen Victoria's eldest daughter, Princess Victoria, also showed the same telltale signs of porphyria, she was married off to Frederick III, the first German Kaiser. Their union resulted in the unpredictable Wilhelm II, i.e. the guy that started World War I, and sickly Princess Charlotte. Uh, the princess spent her life suffering from abdominal pains, blisters around her face and dark red urine. Aww. Yeah. But she died quite young, didn't it? Yes. They were back to Charles II of, of Habsburgs. He died at uh, 38. Apparently, the true extent of his conditions were not revealed until a grisly autopsy. Now, this is obviously a medieval autopsy. Mm. So they have to still make some stuff up, don't they? I love it. Did not contain a single drop of blood. His heart was the size of a peppercorn. His lungs corroded. His intestines rotten and gangrenous. And he had a single testicle black as coal in his, and his head was full of water. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How long did they do it after? His head I know, was yeah. full of water. His brain was like shrank. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, it just shows you what. You know, having fanatical ideas about bloodlines yeah. can do. I was gonna say, yeah. Fuck, yeah, fucked up beliefs, man. They, they believe that the bloodline was pure and they've got to keep it pure. That's it. But, you know, I mean, all right, they didn't know about this stuff. And they're looking back through history going, well, the Egyptians did it. You know, they'll look at other royal families yeah. through time and go, well, they did it. They kept power. Now, did they do it because of what Ike says? The blood, they're all reptilians. Mm. Mm. <laughs> no, because they'd know about it. They are like properly clever, aren't they, the reptilians? They're not, they're an alien race, they're a lot smarter than we are. They'd know about that. That's a good point. But they wouldn't care, would they? As long as the bloodline. Well, no, because you don't want a weak bloodline. But you don't want an inbred one either, do you? You've got to, you've got to bring in fresh blood. Yeah, what I'm on about is they're still ruling, that's it. Oh, well. And their bloodline is somehow 
know. Well, look at it this way. Charles married Diana. He married him from the aristocracy, so she's probably related to the king. She's probably related to the royal family somehow. Which means that you've got to look at William marrying Kate, who was technically a commoner, middle class, so it's still not aristocracy. Mm-hmm. It was quite a bold thing. Now, the end. Bold Harry. <laughs> you think, yeah, yeah. You know, I, weirdly, I was watching a thing on um, King Edward Seventh and Mrs. Yeah. Simpson this afternoon. I was at my mum's after dinner. Yeah. And I was watching it, and I was like, you'd have thought Harry would have really looked at his great, great, great uncle and gone, mm, it didn't work out so well for him, did it? Now what happened is William married a commoner, and yeah. which was still pretty much unheard of. The family applauded it and was welcoming to her. Probably thought, oh, the family's getting really progressive now, huh? You know, oh, one-up him. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but you got to look at with Went William. Too far. <laughs> with William, it was like, yes, she was a commoner, but she was the right kind of commoner. She had money. The right colour. She was the right colour. She had some money. She's a wealthy family. She went to university. She had no skeletons in her closet. She hadn't been doing drug-fueled orgies as part of some lesbian group at uni. There was nothing. I bet she was thoroughly vetted. She, she met Harry at uni, didn't she? Yeah. Well, William. William, sorry, yeah. But as soon as they kick the kids out, as soon as William's got that heir, Harry doesn't matter anymore, does he? No. Once you've got the heir, that's, he's, he's the second. He doesn't, he just drops out the succession. Now he's gone. He's off on a different line. He's definitely out now, isn't he? He's, de- he's definitely out now. Fucking <laughs> racist cunts. You know, but she's fucking... She does lie a lot. I don't know. She says stuff in that interview that Harry did another interview and told him the exact, fucking exact opposite. I don't know. I just think... They I, don't, to... I don't care about it all, to be no. fair. No, no, I mean, it's just... And... It's just you yeah. think that he might have... I was just on a bit of a tangent. You think he might have looked at that relationship and gone, mm, didn't go well so well for him. <laughs> But these, these lot, you know, back in the day, they didn't know till they know, well, until they knew, did they? About genetics and oh, that's all it. it is. They didn't. The thing is, they're probably they probably thinking. could have got a clue after a few years, like, you know, everyone's coming out with deformities. Well, that's, but then they're just thinking, oh, it's like the Habsburg jaw. They're just thinking, well, it's it's our, it's our genetic distinction. It's what makes you so you know you're a Habsburg if you've got the jaw. Yeah, but okay. you want something, you want something okay. a bit better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know, but I'm just it's saying like it. His tongue's hanging out. Mm. Don't have a donkey dick. <laughs> what, instead of one shriveled black testicle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so would I, actually. And looking like Jimmy Hill. <laughs> Proto-Jimmy Hill. My God, you think Jimmy Hill was a part of the Habsburg regime? <laughs> oh, former sports presenter in the UK, had a massive sports draw, chin. Former player and manager. Was he a player yeah, manager? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you remember being a presenter? Yeah, that was in our time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. 60s and 70s as a player, I think. Yes, yeah. Uh, let's move away from the Royals. Mm-hmm. And let's go to something a bit more modern. Yeah, this one's not so fun. Incest cult. Yeah, do you want to read this? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Teen daughter in world's most inbred family told pal, my sister is pregnant and we don't know which brother is the dad. Oh... And she doesn't know that that's any different, though, does she? She just uh, thinks that's normal. The world's most inbred family, in quotes, was busted which when one of the girls told a classmate her sister was pregnant, but they didn't know which of the brothers was a father. Perverted patriarch of the family, Tim Colt, ran an incest farm in the Australian outback where he raped his daughters with his sons 
And fathered their children off. Oh, fucks. Yeah, I know. They're a band. Oh, They're fuck. a travelling band. Oh, That's the Jesus. worst of it. What's they singing? I'm gonna fuck my daughter. I'm gonna fuck my bring daughter. Bring your daughter. <laughs> bring your, bring my daughter to my bedroom. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Colt allegedly had sex with three of his daughters, known as Rhonda, Betty, and Martha, and impregnated them. The disgusting details of the world's most inbred family have been revealed after a gag order on the gruesome trial ceased. Few of the youngsters went to school, but the lid was blown off the twisted cult when one of the teen daughters he did attain class told her, pal, my sister's pregnant. We don't know which one of the brothers is the father. It's the third time I've had to read that. <laughs> it's just a big line, though, in all fairness. I know, yeah, but come on. An investigation was launched and case workers and police were sent to the farm in June 2012. They reported finding very dirty and hazardous living quarters and children who were dirty and wore dirty clothing. Is that it? I know, yeah. <laughs> There's a bit more. The 38-member cult clan were forced to live in squalor in the sickening story of incest and neglect and paedophilia that shocked the world. First time I've heard of it. No, I haven't heard of it. No, I haven't heard of it either, to be fair. Three of the late Tim Colt's daughters have been dragged through trials, assaulted in prison and ostracised in communities due to their inbred children. I heard about the one the other year where there was that family and they had like, was it 13 kids? And they, they were living in, like, you know, the kids were living in squalor and in the basement, but every time they went out... Oh, the Fritzels? Was it? They, no, they they, it, it was an apocalypse they? cult, wasn't it? I can't remember. And they were hiding from, preparing for the apocalypse. Yeah. Isn't that it? I don't know, but the kids were living in squalor and there was, you know, it was terrible. I want to point out that I would have got into Fritzel on this, but um, I thought we'd save him for Christmas. Uh. <laughs> you know, he's more of a Christmas episode, I feel. You think? Yeah. Yeah, we, we sort of keep the real dark shit for Christmas. Yeah. So that's why we're not going to talk about okay. him today. He'll be coming up. Uh, it was that Tim Colt father of 13 kids yeah. with his daughter. Even his granddaughter. Oh, his son was found guilty of raping his niece, who was also his half sister. Oh, it's just fucking. This is just dark shit. Yeah. I mean, the royal families. We can have a bit of a laugh about. You can't. You can't have a laugh about this. Yeah. This is where it goes. This is where it it goes horribly, horribly down yeah. the perverted line, rather than just. See, with the royal families, I can at least see they're doing it for whatever their reasons are. No one's getting raped. All right, they may not be too thrilled about getting married, but no one's getting raped every night. He come out with the, the sisters and, and all that lot. How could he keep on... Oh, because not all of them went to school. Only a couple of them did. Right, OK. And you're presuming that he's a great-granddad at this point. Yeah, yeah, so it's come out after he's done all... Oh, gross. DNA testing would reveal all four women had children whose fathers were the mother's own father or brother or a half-brother, uncle... Nephew or grandfather. Jesus. It's fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. And there's 38 of them. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? It's looking, that is, that's like a remote part of Australia. They... Yep. Some of them couldn't even speak intelligible English. Low slung ears, misaligned eyes. They look decades older than their calendar age. Fuck. That's them fucked for life, isn't it? Yeah. You know, they just ostracised now. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Oh, we had an album called Family Love Songs. Oh, my oh God. God. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he'd travel around the country performing at festivals and country shows. That's, that's Family love songs. Oof. I'm not going to go there. Nah. Oh, should we go on something just equally as terrible? Yeah. The Gola clan. Spending years in their isolated inbred towns with a cop shove up. Alright, let's start then with the Gola clan. So in 1984, a rural community in the Annapolis Valley of Nova Scotia, Canada, made headlines when a series of inbreeding came to light. I think Nova Scotia... I think that's where Trailer Park Boys is based. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> you might be right with that, yeah. yeah. Halifax, yeah. isn't it? Halifax, Nova Scotia, yes, mm. yes. The Gola family, who had been practising intra-family marriages for generations, was at the heart of it all. From the Blue Fuggets of Kentucky to the Hatsburg dynasty, we'll have a look at the Blue Fuggets of Kentucky shortly. Yeah. Cases of inbreeding have fascinated the public for ages. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police discussed the Mounties, and they always get the man, or take kids away from their families. Charged the Gola clan with approximately 137 counts of incest and abuse, over a dozen family members went to prison. What the public quickly discovered was that more than punishment, the Golas needed help after enduring generations of extreme poverty and social prejudice, yeah. and lot of breeding. Yeah, but it's due to the isolation and the, the poverty and... It's just a sad story all round, to be fair. Yeah. 1984, a 14-year-old member of the South Mountain Gola family broke down in tears at school when a teacher asked why. She explained that her father had regularly forced intimate relations with her 10 to 15 times a month. This allegation shocked the small Nova Scotia community. An investigation revealed that the sexual abuse occurred within the Gola clan for generations. Authorities charged 13 Gola adults with over 100 counts, including incest and assault, and many of the cases involved minors from 6 to 14. Oy. Yeah, it's dark. After a dozen arrests, the community referred to the Golas as a hillbilly sex ring. Donna Gola, a member of the family, vocalised her experience in the hope that her story will prevent other children from being severely mistreated, and this is what he says. She says, The first time I can remember I was five, just going on six, because I'd just graduated from kindergarten, going into grade one. I came home and that was the first time I had been raped, and it was by my father. If someone wanted to have sex with one of his kids, he would let them for a case of beer or a carton of cigarettes, oh. or even a pack of cigarettes. Oh, fuck me. They got to pick out whichever child they wanted to have sex with. We had nothing to say, we couldn't prevent it, we couldn't stop them. We were basically lined up against the wall and they chose the one they wanted and we were forced to do it. Jesus Christ. And this had been going on for over a century. Wow. People were beginning to notice their genetic abnormalities. Was that one of them? Yeah. Yeah. Reportedly, people in Kentucky, Kent, sorry, Kentsville, long suspected the families on South Mountain were inbreeding, but no one intervened. Despite the assistance families received after the trials, isolation and genetic problems persisted in the 21st century. Professor of Human Geography James Boxall lived in Kentville in the mid-2000s and made observations about the rate of people with developmental and physical disabilities in the area. He said... You'd notice the high rate of disabilities at Christmas time because everyone would be around shopping at Christmas. I just went around and I went, oh my God. I remember saying to my friend, do you notice this? 
And she said, oh, yeah, it's when they come down off the mountain for Christmas shopping. Oh, fuck. Boxer was surprised, the, surprised to hear the issue put so bluntly, but for him it was confirmation that the people in town knew of the South Mountain family's plights. Mm. So we were just looking at a picture of one of them, and I... It does look like Bubbles, the character it does. after the it does. trailer park. Boys. Same glasses, actually, yeah. It, was, uh... it does. I think Bubbles inbred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor uh, Bubbles. A Canadian news station interviewed one of the Gola family members, 57-year-old man who doctors labelled mentally disabled. Yeah, this was a problem most of them were, yeah, mentally disabled. He had just been released from prison after four months behind bars and was confused about his incarceration. He insisted to the reporter that he didn't know what he'd done wrong. He was just living life as he always had. Reportedly, one family member didn't even know what the word incest meant. The defence lawyers were challenged in defending the Gola family since many of them had already made incriminating statements to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police before the trial. The family was unfamiliar with the legal system in a culture from which they had been almost entirely isolated. So they could have rehabilitated them over incarcerating them. Depends how mentally disabled uh, they are, I guess. I think the children, they can't. Again, it depends on what the, the child's capable of doing, isn't it? They, oh, well, yeah, but they'll be... Well, they'll be put into an institution, I imagine. And, well, even fosters, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully they... You know, they will... I can say, get over it. How can you get over that? I don't think but, you can get over it, to be fair. You know, lead some kind of... Relatively happy life, maybe. I don't know, but they lived well, in jail. I think the parents and that, I think they're... They're in jail. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're too far gone, aren't they? That's it. I mean, they lived in tar paper shacks. The buildings are falling apart. There's no running water. They had no access to showers or toilets. In the 40s, the houses were so crowded, many children shed mattresses on the floor. And even in 1984, the children rescued were living in similar conditions. Oof. Yeah. They didn't, you know, the maintenance and that. They didn't have the the means or the know-how how how to... No, isolated in a community. Yeah. Yeah. Just your family. I read, uh, I watched a documentary on it. I'm sure it said it took, before the Second World War, it took three days to get into town. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That's a long fucking trek. You're going once a month. Once once two months. Yeah. You're going to make that trek as little as possible, aren't you? Of course. Yeah. You know, they only come down at Christmas time. They only come down at Christmas time. Sounds like a Christmas song. Mm-hmm. Dark Christmas song, that is. Yeah. They just didn't, I suppose they just didn't know. It's just one of them things, it's learned behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. They don't see anything wrong with it because that's the way they were brought up. Well, I mean, they don't socialise other people. They've got no concept of what's right and what's wrong in, in a society, have you? Yeah. And they're all becoming inbred, so after each generation, they're getting more mentally disabled and not getting any education. And yeah. It's just a downward spiral, isn't it? Yeah. Of course. We just think up until the 80s, they were still living like that. No water, nothing. Trading your kids for a fucking crate of booze. Pack of fags. You're unreal. Yeah. This next one's slightly more cheerful, I think. Let's hope so. <laughs> the Blue Fugates. You don't usually expect to see people with naturally blue skin, but that's the case with the Blue Fugates, who they refer to members of the Fugate family of eastern Kentucky, particularly those who lived from early to mid-20th century. And according to first-hand accounts, uh, the title's no exaggeration. Why are they blue? Well, the short answer is to do with genetic mutation arising from inbreeding. 
The longer it happens, the more recessive genes are brought in and bizarre happenstance. If they hadn't lived in such a rural area, the condition might not have been so pronounced. Why blue people? It's, it's unlucky, actually, this one. Because the first guy was a French immigrant, right? And he marries... So, yeah, Martin Fugate and his wife, Elizabeth Smith, first settled in Kentucky in 1820. They came to Troublesome Creek, an out-of-the-way region of Alapacia. Alapacia? Wow. What an understatement that name is. <laughs> According to family stories, Martin Fugate was blue himself. Even if this wasn't true, his offspring ended up with unusual appearance. His son, Zachariah, was born with blue skin, and so were more than three of their children. Fucking orcs, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Due to the isolated nature of the community, the Fugate's neighbours knew about the blue people, but few outsiders did. Having unusual blood doesn't play this, so where does that blue comer come from? The Fugates had a genetic defect that resulted in a condition called methemoglobinemia. Anyone want to have a stab at that? No, we'll <laughs> go with that. I'll do. Methemoglobinemia. Because it's globin, isn't it? It's doing yeah. the blood. Which means that blood doesn't carry as much oxygen around the body. This makes the blood darker, which in turn causes the skin of Caucasians to appear blue and their lips to look purple. In addition, arterial blood looks chocolate brown rather than red. Well, that sounds delicious. <laughs> Bleeding chocolate. People with that disease... I'll become high... a vampire then. <laughs> <laughs> I want to suck your chocolate blood. Here's <laughs> <laughs> a sucky chocolate. <laughs> now, Martin Fugate and his bride, Elizabeth Smith, both carried the same recessive gene, which is a bit unlucky, really, because it's probably quite a rarity, this one, that causes the uh, condition. It wouldn't have affected future generations of Fugates if they hadn't married within the family, that is. Mm. They lived in an isolated area which limited their options. Zachariah Fugate, one of the first known blue Fugates, married his aunt. Mm. One of their sons married a close cousin. In turn, one of their children married another cousin. It makes for a confusing family tree, marked with plenty of blue individuals, as one of the family members quipped, I'm kin to myself! <laughs> <laughs> Look, I bleed chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, at the end of the 19th century, a man named John Stacey attended church one Sunday in eastern Kentucky and spotted a young woman and apparently liked what he saw. The two courted, got married, had 13 kids. That woman was Luna Fugate, and according to law, she was the bluest Fugate of all. Blue as a bruise, lips were dark as a bruise. Interestingly enough, Stacy himself refused to say whether his beloved wife was blue. I I wouldn't mind a blue chick. I've always fancied the uh, Captain Kirk's sort of, you know, on-off lover, the, the green chick with the red hair. Oh, he could look like Smurfs when they were little. Yeah. Mm. yeah He'd be known as Papa Smurf. <laughs> Big white beard. Ace. Little avatar babies. <laughs> yeah. Well, cat people. <laughs> that's some inbreeding to any point where you get tails <laughs> the blue skin was more than just startling it was also a clear sign the family had practised intermarriage obviously as they found out people found out more about the harmful effects of inbreeding it did become quite a stigma yeah they were outcasts they were outcasts but they lived long healthy lives apparently yeah well that's something but it can cause seizures I think he's got lucky with the recessive gene in this one, didn't they, a little bit? 
It's only a cosmetic effect, apparently. Yeah, but then I read that they they managed to turn them back. As you can, as you can, it's quite a simple thing. It just involves uh, yeah. taking pure oxygen. They were treated with blue dye. That's it, blue dye. Yeah. Yeah. After interviewing the um, Fugates, Doctor Madison Calvine concluded that blood must be missing a crucial enzyme to trigger the blood's natural processes. The doctor decided to inject the affected family members with methylene blue, a dye. The cosmetic results were nearly instant. Talking about the experience years later, Calvin said the treated family members were thrilled to see the blue fade from their skin. For the first time in their lives, they were pink. The solution was really was that easy. The effects of the dye were temporary, but Calvin supplied the family, the Fugates, with methylene blue tablets to take every day. Oh, wow. The last blue Fugate was born in 75. They had, to be fair, they had started marrying out of the family when the area opened up. Yeah, eventually the recessive gene receded. At least there's no incest going on with this one. Mm. There's no rape. There's yeah. So they could have a blue kid in the future, but the chance is very small as long as they keep diluting the gene pool. Mm. Awesome. Fair play. Well, not fair play, but at least they're open. At least they're open to marrying outside of the family now. Yeah. And it was just, just coincidence. Well, just just happenstance that they were so isolated. Got to have someone to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but they wouldn't know any different. No. You know, it was eighteen twenty when Par starts that game off. They don't know any different. Be weird as fuck, though, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. Blue people living in the road. A bit weird. I think that's a bit fucking racist, to be honest, man. <laughs> I'd be like, well, that's fucking awesome, you're blue. You must have that receptive gene. <laughs> yeah, whereas you're like, oh, you just be, you're assembling Stow a... Stow their heads in, the <laughs> blue fucking... Yeah, you're assembling a fucking mob with pitchforks yeah. and flaming <laughs> torches, and I'm like, oh, nice cool blue skin, dude. No, Fist bumping like... him, you're like, kill the freaks! It's like, you see them blue people? Bit weird, aren't they? No, you'd be like, kill the freaks! <laughs> like, man, just leave them alone. You fucking racist. <laughs> I don't see colour, Mike. <laughs> it's blue. You can't miss it. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird. It's weird. You would look at people, Mike. What's going on? <laughs> It'd be awesome. You could um, ingest some silver. That changes skin blue. Yeah, I don't fancy having it myself. Well, you can go and, you know, be one of them then. <laughs> I don't want to have the blue skin. I'm just saying I don't have a problem Make with it. Make feel more at home. <laughs> I'll turn myself blue for you. <laughs> Welcome you to the community. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, let's talk last one, then. Let's talk about the hollow, the inbred hillbilly hamlet where literally everyone's related. <laughs> you know what? I didn't want to say anything. But, again, it's an isolated community. Yeah. Is it not? You know, they're over the river. That's our local town, yeah? yeah the joke's that. always been that they're all inbred in Brosley, but... Yeah. It's only manifested itself in six fingers and webbed, webbed feet, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I used to live there and it always used to be like the butt of the joke. Yeah. You know. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, so The Hollow is a 1975 documentary about the ill-bred hillbilly... Inbred. Inbred. What did I say? Ill-bred. Oh, it could be ill-bred too, you yeah. know. 
hillbilly residents of an area of New York State in Saratoga country inf known informally as Allentown for reasons that soon became abundantly clear. Ah, all their keys were Allen keys. <laughs> well, I don't need to read the rest. <laughs> well done, Mike. You figured it out. <laughs> Early in the 19th they century... They fucking shit them Allen keys, aren't they? <laughs> really fiddly, aren't they? You're obviously not using the right one for the job, then, are you? Well... I've never had a problem. You, you know, put the right one in, it locks into a Yeah, but there's no handle on it, like, is it? It's just a little... That's what the curve's for. You use oh, that as your handle. Oh, no, no, shit. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'll tell you what, design a new one. You'll be a millionaire. Oh, well, design the mic key. I'll get you a lathe. Yeah. <laughs> At once. <laughs> this, someone get this man a lathe. <laughs> Revolutionise Alan Key. You know, there's mic keys and all a fucking handle on them. I like it. Actually, I like, I like the rebrand. Yeah. So early in the 19th century, two families, the Allens and Cathans, settled in the southern Adrenondack Mountains of New York State. I pronounced that wrong. Sorry to anyone that lives in New York State. By the 1960s, their descendants had isolated themselves in a remote hollow high in the mountains. Below lay the great Sacadanga Valley, its rich lands rapidly filled with farms, factories and mills. By the end of the century, the Callans and Cathans had all intermarried, all the residents in the hollow were related, and because of their isolation, misunderstandings developed between them and the outside world. The economic disasters of the 1930s shut down the factories and mills, and in 1932 the Sakanda River was dammed, flooding the fertile valley below the hollow. Forced from their homes, the valley residents sought employment elsewhere, but the Allens and the Cathans chose to remain up in the mountains. Uh, I'm guessing not a wise decision. Yeah. They're all mountain dwellers, aren't they? Yes. The Hollow has no narration. The filmmakers George Nirenberg and Gary Wan simply went up there with a camera and, and let them talk about their lives. Uh, there's no narrative as such either, but the publication of a newspaper article about the Hamlet causes much consternation among the residents of Allertown who have become distrustful, even paranoid about the outside world of their close-knit enclave of approximately 200 intermarried blood relatives. Oh. In wake of the documentary, they actually built a fence, you know, to keep them out, keep people out. It wasn't until the mid-1980s they got indoor plumbing. Fuck. Yeah? It's a bit like that mate in town in Canada, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Come down for Christmas. <laughs> Get me six fingers gloves for me wife. He's <laughs> also me fucking brother. Well, your wife's your brother. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> six at one point. Who knows? There wasn't any women left. I was stuck with my brother. Everyone thinks it's like rewound Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is where the 1993 New York Times article about Alan Tome. Uh, Clifford Logan of the Saratoga Country Economic Opportunity Council said his agency had weatherized 150 homes in the Allentown area. Once you do something nice to somebody, you're accepted, he said, adding that he believes residents of the Hollow are slowly becoming more comfortable with outsiders. They've been a town with a gate and they're opening up. No welfare, thank you. So they don't even let social services up there. Emily Smith, who is a Deputy Commissioner for the County Social Services Department, said that a number of public assistance cases in the entire hollow was probably not more than a couple of handfuls 
and has not grown in 15 years. They just don't want anything. They just leave us alone kind of thing. We don't want any assistance. Uh, they still tend to be a very close-knit group and they take care of each other, she said. Their ways don't change much. They're happy and that's their way of life. Uh, to you and me, our standards are much higher, but they don't have those high standards and they're not striving to have them. James Bowen of the Saratoga, Saratoga County Sheriff said his services are rarely requested. We don't get a lot of calls, Valentin, he said. They sort of police themselves. <laughs> While a local fire department provides service for the area, he said, if one of the Allens has a fire, one of the Allens next door, I'll put it <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, my God. Allen Town are all Allens. Fucking hell. Too many Allens. Too many Allens. Too, too many, many Allens. Allens. It's two I suppose you've at least got a a reasonably sized gene pool with 200 people, haven't you? Yes, they're all related, but I don't think you'd be getting the abnormalities just yet. I mean, 200 people is quite a big sample, isn't it? Yeah. Where did those 200 come from? Has it grown to 200? Mm. Well, it's grown to 200, and I suppose they all the do come from... The original six. The, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was two families. So it doesn't say how many were in the, the families. Or we'll say eight, then. But... You know, it's two families and now there's mm. 200 of them, so... Yeah, I hope they stayed away from really close relations. But I imagine there's some. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, you've probably got a little bit more choice, I guess. There's 200 people. So you might marry your third cousin, but... It's still going on. Yeah. They're all related. Yeah, still there. So everything else, all the other ones have been sort of broken up and disbanded, haven't they? Yeah, yeah this one, though. So, yeah, there goes our foray into incest and inbreeding. Maybe it's because they went up there with, like, two families, so it's not, like, one family preying on their own family. That, I think that's probably got a lot to do with it. And it was more like arranged marriage, you know, my you know, my daughter will marry your son or something like that. Or... <laughs> it's fucked up, isn't it? Yeah, it's still fucked up. <laughs> because that gene pool will be very slim yeah. now, won't it? Yeah. yeah, but I suppose, like, let's put it another way, there's 200 of them, so let's say, like... You know, the, an Alan's son marries a Karen daughter and they knock out 13 kids, which, you know, back in the 1920s wasn't uncommon. No. So as long as them kids aren't doing anything with your side, your family, they can go and marry the other, marry their cousins at least, couldn't they? Yeah, it ain't great, is it? It's not great. I'm not saying it's ideal. <laughs> I certainly don't want to live there. Although they could, they'd probably look that if I did. Like, wow, fresh genetic material. <laughs> now they just harvest my sperm. <laughs> Yeah. Just being like a cow shed on your own. Yeah, just, just basically just having it pumped constantly. Yeah. That'd be terrible. I don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, right, I think that bombshell. I'm on that bombshell. I've been Ben. Thanks very much for listening. Follow us on uh, Facebook, Come to the Ball and the PTA, Stone Cloud, Spotify, uh, YouTube is Apocalypse Ball. Thank you very much again for listening. Don't join the favourite, don't join the court, and it's coming home. I've been Mike, thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And I've been Claire. Don't marry your cousin. That's it. <laughs> and it's coming home. Yeah! Woo! Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Could be tears. We'll let you know next week. You'll know by next week when this episode comes out. We'll be really depressed for the next one. Yeah, we're all like, yeah.